1: and welcome in to another episode of turn the corner a detroit tigers podcast i am karen steckley with me as always is a man who is relieved it's called the non-tender deadline and not the non-tendy deadline. He is Cody Stabenhagen. How you doing?
2: Hey, doing good, Karen. And I'm with you on that one. We're adults here, so we don't have to call chicken tenders tendies. Really, you probably shouldn't be ordering chicken tenders at an actual restaurant to begin with. That's a whole other rant. <laughs> um, thanks for listening this week, guys. Hope we can keep you entertained here during the heart of football season.
1: Heart of football season. We're also getting into holiday season, so... Happy Thanksgiving to uh, to everybody as well. And baseball, you know, I'll, I'll say this, Cody. We always talk about the other leagues as being like real 12-month-out-of-the-year, like calendar, league, sports, topics, all that stuff, and they deserve that. Baseball just gives us stuff pretty consistently. I don't think they get enough credit for having these deadlines and news, you know, kind of throughout the year. I mean, the season ends, and then you got meetings, and and all that stuff, and deadlines, and it gives us something to talk about. So baseball, underrated uh, 12-month business, just saying. Well,
2: it it is. I do wish they would change something about the free agency calendar, because free agency has been open for, what, more than a week now, and no one of any note has signed, and we're all just kind of sitting here twiddling our thumbs, You know, where it's a, a big news event, especially in the NBA when free agency opens. I feel like there's a missed opportunity to create some more excitement there. Um, and you're right. Maybe a lot of this stuff doesn't garner national interest, but definitely local interest. When you see two uh, pretty prominent Tigers players non tendered, like there's definitely news going on throughout the winter in more local markets.
1: Absolutely. And you know, last week I, I mentioned that Scott Harris was in his bag a little bit. The bag is expanding uh, as fellow Oklahoma State alums and former residents of Stillwater. I don't know if people know this. The All-American Rejects came from Stillwater, Oklahoma, and they have a song called Move Along. So I'm saying Scott Harris is in his All-American Rejects Move Along bag. So let's not forget last year, Jamer Candelario, non-tendered. And the follow-up is Austin Meadows and Spencer Turnbull. We'll start with Meadows here. Uh, Obviously, overall, it's an unfortunate situation for for the person, He's going through some stuff. Uh, the ball player, he played like 42 games, I believe. It seemed to me at one point, reading between the lines, I don't, I'm don't, i not uh, quoting anybody here, but kind of reading in between the lines, it seemed like at a certain point there was a little bit of uh, organization to individual disconnect, uh, not accusing anybody of any wrongdoing there. I thought the Tigers, both Al at first and then uh, Scott Harris and, and A.J. Hinch as the uh, mouthpiece. Handled this about as well as uh, as one could be expected, and and so the the era, at least as we understand it, the Austin Meadows era, the Meadows and Paredes trade, uh, more or less comes to a uh, comes to a conclusion with Austin Meadows not really having any sort of impact on the baseball field, and hopefully this is just some other part of his journey to get the Austin Meadows, the person. Uh, Oh right, but any any thoughts? Surprises? I think the projection was he was going to make around four million in arbitration. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any thoughts on, on on Meadows as we can kind of like I said, kind of close the door a little bit on uh, on a trade that everyone loved at the time, and it just for a million reasons just didn't work out.
2: Yeah, well, how about how about first jokingly, what are the chances? Austin Meadows goes back to the Rays, and him and Isak Paredes are both all-stars, and yeah. neither of them play for the Tigers. A very good chance, I think, um, actually. like Tyler Alexander and Spencer Turnbull also raise all-stars. Um, on a more serious note, yeah, you know, it's, it's just been so unfortunate the whole time. Um, it's been difficult to talk about the whole time, not necessarily having all the information Austin is obviously entitled to his privacy here, but this is a saga that dragged on for a long time. When he went back on the aisle with anxiety this year, and it became clear, he probably wasn't coming back. Um, I thought the Tigers did a good job handling this publicly. From everything I've ever heard, they have been supportive of him privately. But it also, I was a little bit uncomfortable when it came out, kind of like, oh, well, the Tigers really love supporting mental health, but they didn't, really say a lot about what they're actually doing to provide resources for players scott harris cited privacy um in that in that regard but it was like I, i'm sure all that's true but at the end of the day this is a business and the business and the the supportiveness are going to intersect and i think we all know how that's going to end so yeah i'm not saying the tigers did anything wrong here they didn't this is the reality of the game Austin Meadows has barely played in two years. They couldn't pay him $4 million to, uh, number one, there's not really a role for him on this roster as currently constructed. Um, number two, like it, it just wasn't going to happen that way. So of course he was non-tendered. This is a day that um, was, has kind of been foreshadowed that we could see coming for a while now. It does close the door on just a, a, a strange and unfortunate time um, for both Austin Meadows, obviously we wish him and his family the best, um, kind of the sense I'm getting, I think he's still undecided, you know, if he wants to play next year, if he wants to continue to play at all. So I don't know what is next for him. I like to think he could easily catch one somewhere on a a minor league deal and have a shot to rejuvenate himself and become a great player again, if that's what he wants. And if that's not what he wants, you know, I think that's okay too. for as much as, as playing Major League Baseball is a dream, it's not an easy life, man. I've seen a lot of these guys up close. You're away from your family for most of the year. You were working every single day. You miss weddings. You miss holidays. You miss a lot of stuff that normal human beings get to enjoy. Um, you're under a lot of pressure. It's not always the best environment for mental health. Um, so, so I hope whatever's next for Austin is a chapter in his life where he can feel um, fulfilled and at peace.
1: He turns 29 next May. There's still a lot of life to be lived for Austin. And uh, if he wanted to be a ball player, there's still he's, there's still a window for him to be a professional, successful uh, ball player. So, uh, like I said, wish him the best. He certainly has lived out a dream. And hopefully, you know, the next chapter, whatever fashion that is, is a good one. And I wanted to round out by saying the other non-tendered were Garrett Hill, Freddie Pacheco, and uh, Brennan. Hennefee, did I say that wrong? Henefee. Henefee, uh right-handed pitcher. So those are the uh, that rounds out the five. The the big headline here, Cody, is Spencer Turnbull. So uh, first, I want to get this out of the way. I want to give a shout out to fellow Tigers podcaster, recently back on uh, X formerly known as Twitter, Mark Orosch. He said from the beginning that when the injury happened, the injury slash the motion thingy-majiggy, whatever you want to call it, he said from the beginning, Turnbull had thrown his last pitch for the Tigers. And I, at the time, was like, come on, yeah. dude.
2: I come have. on, Mark.
1: It. Get, it. Get real. I mean, what, there's still, like, so much season left. This is, you know, it's a neck strain. Get me up. No, he was right. He was right, as it turned out. And uh, Tur- Turnbull was projected to get, I believe, $2.4 Um, uh, in arbitration. He is 31, which is kind of sneaky. That kind of snuck up on me a little bit. But you got to remember, he was a college guy and wasn't necessarily on the fast track to the major leagues. Has the highlight of the no-hitter. Has the stuff that we all kind of raved about and wanted to see more of. And then injuries and inconsistency. I don't know how you can say anything other than testiness with the organization. I feel like that's a fair to say thing with this demotion injury thing. And and There wasn't a lot of evidence that he was, on his part, I will say, trying to get back up to the major leagues. Uh, I want to do a recap of of Turnbull here in a second. But just initially, Cody, when you saw that he was non-tendered, what did you think?
2: I would say mildly surprised, not shocked. I would say mildly surprised because of what Scott Harris said at the end of the year, which was that we expect Turnbull to prepare as a starter, come to Lakeland and compete for a job. That seemed like a vote of confidence in Turnbull. And looking back on those comments, I wonder, was that Scott playing the game a little bit, you know, saying, hey, this, you know, we want this guy, maybe trying to make clear he could have some trade value to other teams. Or was that what Scott legitimately believed and, and more went on behind the scenes? Um, I don't want to speculate a ton beyond that because this is another situation where clearly we just don't have all the information. You know, Did something go wrong in talks between Turnbull and the team between the end of the season and now? Um, I don't know. It's been pretty quiet on that front in terms of what I've been hearing. If this was a situation where the damage, the relationship was just irreparable – then I get it. Um, I definitely think uh, this could be a fresh start. could be what Spencer Turnbull needs. I still think there's a pretty good pitcher in there. Um, It's unfortunate the way things went down from the start. I'm not sure that was all his fault as the season went on. It sounds like he was not a a 1,000% motivated to get back on the mound as a Detroit Tiger. So maybe this is one of those things where, you know, that someone once made the analogy with a divorce like I don't ever want to get a divorce and it's like I don't like divorces man I don't I don't really believe in that but sometimes it's probably for the best you know if a relationship just ain't gonna get fixed if it's not good for anybody at the same time a little surprise Scott Harris let Spencer Turnbull go for free all right uh, I've heard from at least one influential scout for a successful team they really like Spencer Turnbull Uh, I got a message from a a beat writer for a really good team last night, like, hey, I think my team might have some interest in Turnbull. Like, this guy has some stuff and he's going to get a chance to catch on somewhere. And I I definitely don't think we've heard the last of Spencer Turnbull as a major league pitcher. Um, So very curious to see what is next. And again, there'll be some more questions to be asked and, and see if we ever get the full story on what's happened between October and now in the Spencer Turnbull saga.
1: Alright so let's get that Scott Harris quote exactly correct he said in October you guys heard me talk many times about how talented Spencer is we've seen flashes of it in this organization we've got to find a way to get the best version of Spencer it starts with reflecting on the season and then planning for the offseason making sure he shows up in Lakeland ready to compete for a job iPad just fell. it's all good that tells me that I really did believe that Scott Harris meant that at the time because you see the video too and you know he's got a poker face but you can you can usually kind of tell when he's just kind of BSing
2: yeah it never at the time it never came across to me as like oh he's trying to leverage the media or something like that like that I I did not feel like that at all
1: I think there's a two word element to this decision that plays behind the scenes and that two those two words are Scott and Boris. I think that uh that has to be part of the calculation of your Scott Harris and how you're handling it in general because Scott Boris is one of the one of the most powerful the most powerful guy that doesn't wear a uniform or work in a front office in baseball. Uh He's more
2: powerful than a lot of those people. Yeah.
1: So, like, you you can't do anything to any Boris client that's going to hurt relationships with him, right? So, maybe it was a situation where they wanted to keep him. They wanted to, or at least explore the trade market, but they just got indications that this will not be smooth. This has more chances of getting ugly than otherwise. And, and let's be honest, man. Like, it was... You know, maybe ugly is too strong a word, but it was that side of the coin the majority of the summer. Because, like, the last time we talked about Turnbull, I wanted to kind of bring this back for a second. The last time we talked about Turnbull, uh, we got a couple comments on, on Twitter, at Cody's David Hagen. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. Sort of like, how did the Tigers mistreat Turnbull? Because we had made mention that there was some some misgivings on both sides. And I think... For the most part we've been pretty fair about that one of my favorite expressions is both things can be true and it doesn't and, and it doesn't necessarily mean somebody's the bad guy right uh i think turnbull handled this not great i think the tigers obviously were scrambling at best you can say with this whole situation uh i joked at the time i was like man scott harris might hold a grudge against uh spencer because you know you made me talk to the media You know (laughs) about it with that with that whole uh, with with that whole charade and there was no indication that the relationship was ever mended throughout the summer and I guess looking back there was no indication that it was mendable Uh, and and so Scott Harris just kind of decided to wash his hands of the stress and there's a cost to that there's a cost that you let a pitcher with at least the tools you like Go for nothing. And you're going to have to watch him potentially, like you said, two good teams or whatever, at least. And there's more. Are going to, you know, inquire about his services. And I think this is one that has great potential to sting more if he has any kind of success than uh, Jamer uh, on Washington last year. I think, I think everyone kind of got the Jamer thing. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, did we really... You know, a lot of fans can be like, did we really have to let this guy go for nothing? Did we really have to let him go for nothing? And I just want to rehash something real quick. Starting pitching rotation, opening day last year. Well, I kind of cheat. I put Lorenzen in there. I know that he was hurt. But for most, yeah. for the most part, starting pitching rotation, opening day last year. Eduardo Rodriguez. Matthew Boyd. Spencer Turnbull. Michael Lorenzen. Matt Manning. We're talking about turnover, and, and I know part of that is cheating because presumably Mize will be back and, and Scoobyl, who obviously finished the year strong, will will uh be back uh at the top of the rotation. But it's still a high turnover area there for uh for Scott Harris. And I I'll say this, I don't really think he's mad about that. I don't think he's mad about that. I think no, I, th- no I think I think the cunning Scott Harris is like the more opportunities I have to do this in my uh, in, in my image, as I said a lot last week, he, he's gonna like that. And I think that also played a part. Did he just want to, Did he not want to deal with the headache? Or can you go get somebody of similar production, uh, even if they're more expensive, but they're cheaper in terms of the baggage?
2: Yeah, I, I actually don't fully agree with, like, the, the turnover notion. Like, I do think Scott's completely fine with that because who would you rather have, Matthew Boyd or Reese Olsen right now? Like, I'm taking Reese Olsen 10 times out of 10. Sawyer Gibson-Long came on. Like, you you had a lot of guys in-house make progress. Your pitching development has been really good. Obviously, yeah, you, you have Scooble and presumably Mize healthy. You know, so that might have been a question that played into the equation, too. Was there even a spot for Turnbull in this rotation? that's where I'm like, okay, worst case scenario, try to transform this guy into like a back-end power reliever, a role that I feel like he could be pretty good in. Um, now, is that worth $2 million to kind of gamble and experiment and deal with kind of the drama? But maybe that's the question. Maybe Scott thinks, hey, I can easily use this $2 million elsewhere and, and use it more wisely. I don't think the Tigers are in a, a payroll position where they need to be pinching pennies, but Um, that's another factor to consider. I do wonder if the bullpen will be in Turnbull's future, wherever he does land. Um, the guy that has some injury history, not always the best with his command, but has really good top end stuff. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, it would have made a lot of sense for him to be in the Tigers bullpen. But again, uh, you are right. Like at the end of the year, despite what Scott Harris said in October, um, that relationship was not in a good place. Like it was, it, it was pretty bad between Turnbull and the team. That was the reality. So, although mildly surprised, although I would have liked to see Turnbull show up to Lakeland, uh, it's not. It's it's not a huge surprise, and maybe it's better for everyone this way.
1: Yeah, and again, to reiterate, like. The Tigers, obviously, are not in position to let talented players walk, right? I mean, they just just, like, in general. And the, the ironic thing is, if you were, if this happened, say, for the Pirates or the Mariners or the Rays or something like that, this would be a guy that you would think, like, Scott Harris would take a shot on, right? Okay, we'll pay him... Eh, we'll give him a little bit more than R. But we'll give him 3 million for the year, or 4 million, you know, cuz we got a couple extra bucks in our pocket. And, and and take a chance on the talent and see what happens. Low low cost, uh potentially high reward. So, uh that's that's what makes it unique to me. Like I brought up the the Candelario thing. I know that was an inherited player like when Scott was at first, first, you know, entered the uh, entered the organization. But the the Turnbull one is the first one where extracurriculars got in the way of on field potential. In the way that Scott Harris, I believe, likes to build his team. so uh, it. But it, it also does, Cody. Is it just? It, it's it's just unfortunate. I, I like you wrap up this part of, of the pod. It's just unfortunate that. You know, the Meadows-Paredes trade is about as sour a trade as you can have. And then a guy who threw a no-hitter for you, who's going to be in your record books forever because he threw a no-hitter. Uh, I know, Cody, you'll remember him forever because even though it was remote, it was the first no-hitter that you covered, right? Like, that, he's going to be imprinted on our brains uh, for that reason. They're gonna be, oh, yeah, remember that late night in Seattle, you know? And it's just unfortunate that it just kind of ends like that. And like I said, I don't think the Tigers did him wrong. I don't necessarily think Turnbull did the Tigers wrong. Uh, But I think it's also important to understand the player's perspective that like he was going through some things physically. This is in his mind. He's going through some things physically. He obviously felt like he didn't get the... uh, the benefit of the doubt on that and that's you know when the demotions/ injuries like you know all that stuff so he felt a little slighted um, and I'm not here to say the levels of merit to that but I am here to say he felt it and it was real and I think it's worth putting into the conversation and I'm not taking sides here but it's worth putting into the conversation as we wrap up like the Turnbull air in Detroit uh promising had some highs and there's just an end that really didn't it, it it didn't match like the highs of the player you know so all right uh let's uh move on to a couple other transactional things we didn't mention this yet Cody and uh, we just got caught up in a lot of other conversations last week which you know we kind of tend to do uh but Carson Kelly exercise, uh, or option exercised or whatever, team option exercise, whatever the correct vernacular is. Uh, not shocking. I think we all kind of, I, I don't really think you put that in there. as It's sort of like a safety net just in case things went terribly wrong, but you kind of made that move, I feel like, to, to bring him back and at least in theory, solidify your catching situation a little bit for next season. And uh, Dylan Dingler, speaking of catchers, Dylan Dingler suddenly an under the radar prospect a little bit gets added to the 40 man along with Wilmer Flores a guy that was uh, a hype man at this time last year and did not materialize but they kept him on the 40 man in in order to not lose him in the Rule 5 Uh, pretty expected I would say the only other name that was kind of thrown around was Campos Roberto Campos but I don't think they're at risk of losing him uh, at this time and so yeah any thoughts on those moves Cody
2: um, yeah I mean number one exercising the option on Carson Kelly mostly expected you know they brought him in kind of a trial run we didn't actually see a ton of them he only had 52 at bats hit 173 it was it was kind of tough to get a read um, talking to some people it sounds like the Tigers were really encouraged by the progress he made especially defensively pitch framing graded out pretty well um, in kind of the latter, like two weeks of his stay. So obviously they were asking him to make some adjustments. We'll be interesting to see what he does with the full off season to kind of harness these adjustments when it comes down to it. There's not a lot in the free agent catching market. So I do think you can feel, um, as good about Carson Kelly as you would almost anyone else, you know, that you'd be looking at to be your kind of number two catcher. Um, although the Marlins non-tender Jacob Stallings, who uh, really good defender who struggled with the bat the last couple of years, it be maybe like him more than Carson Kelly. But but anyway, you can feel fine about Carson Kelly. I think coming in to camp next year, as far as guys who were protected, Dingler was obvious. Flores, despite a little bit of a down year, was pretty obvious. Um, protecting Roberto Campos would have been a very Al Avila <laughs> move. Um, I mean, there's there's. Some upside with the player, but his numbers aren't wowing anyone. If another team were to take him in the Rule 5, they'd have to put this guy on the Major League roster. I don't think there are any indications um, that he is ready to face big league pitching. Um, Also, I just typed in Roberto Campos on baseball reference, and apparently there was a guy who played for the 1923 White Sox named Roberto Campos, which I didn't know until now. Interesting. Uh, He's from Cuba. He played one year in the major leagues. You have a
1: trailblazer then.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go read more about this guy after the podcast. Uh, I I was curious if the Tigers would add um, another pitcher to the 40-man, maybe Andrew Magno, a, a lefty who's not a big name but had a really nice year in AAA. Maybe if there were someone else that um, they really liked kind of a surprise like brendan white was last year you know a, a guy who was a pretty good pitcher but didn't really have tabbed as being the dude they were gonna protect I thought maybe we would see that we didn't um so i I don't know I think some other teams might have a little bit of an interest in Magno but I do think there can be a tendency as um, fans or outside observers to kind of overrate your own prospects like, oh, that guy might get taken in the Rule 5. The reality is, to take a guy in the Rule 5 draft, you have to be confident he can stick on the big league roster for an entire year, and most guys in the minor leagues um, don't quite fit that billing. So, I, you know, I think the Tigers can feel fine about um, everything, everything that went down.
1: Any thoughts on four catchers on the 40-man?
2: Yeah, I mean... It seems a little unusual, but it happens from time to time. Uh, Donnie Sands does seem to be kind of on the edge here. You know, there are plenty of roster moves ahead this winter, so I will be interested to see if Sands is still on the 40-man uh, come come spring training. Obviously, you know, a guy who was pretty hyped when that trade with the Phillies went down last January, had a really rough year, now Dingler's surging. Uh, seems like Sands is definitely at risk, could be one of the next guys to go.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of filling around. I believe the 40 man is at 37. So, uh, you know, room room for uh, maneuvering for Scott Harris, which... Uh,
2: I have not seen a big Scott Harris waiver claim yet. Oh, Come it's, on, it's, what's, what's oh, going on? Oh, it's in the
1: works. It's in the works. <laughs> and there's, there's there's something up his sleeve. You, you just know it. Maybe like a Black Friday uh, news dump uh, for, for Scott <laughs> Harris. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, also some housekeeping notes. We didn't talk about it last week. Uh in case you're wondering whether the Cora family and A.J. Hinch are good, uh Joey Cora comes to the Tigers uh staff as the infield coach and third base coach. Gary Jones is going in the dugout. Uh so uh so that you know, so that's that's partially for that move. And uh Jacob Rosen. The rare time. Did I say that right? James. James I'm sorry. James. I, just, I don't know why I said Jacob rare time that uh the tigers who all we talk about is how they can't hit and we've we talked about before how weird hit the hitting co- the life of a hitting coach is you know gets hired on by the premier blue blood franchise in baseball to be their hitting coach uh, the new york yankees replacing interim hitting coach former detroit tiger sean casey so uh so yeah so it's Take a guy who's related to the Boston Red Sox manager, and then you lose a guy to go to the Yankees. So uh, old, old American League East uh, ties there uh, in in full effect. So uh, it's always interesting. Any thoughts on Tigers losing losing Rosen there?
2: Uh, Yeah, man. Tough to be a hitting coach. Congrats, you're now the hitting coach of the New York Yankees. The chances that you may get more than the chances (laughs) that you may get more than three years in this job are incredibly slim. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I uh, wish I could provide some more insight into James Rosen. Rousen, uh never said a word to the guy. We're not allowed to talk to coaches. He especially was inside in the cages a lot. So I don't, don't know a lot about him to be real honest. Obviously he must be doing something right for the Yankees to like him. Joey Korra, I've heard a lot of good things about. It seemed like he was a pretty clear target, especially once uh, Buck Walter was not going to be retained in New York. <clears throat> the Korra family tie is interesting given the, uh, yeah, and AJ I believe still talks to Alex Cora, but you know, the more if you read Evangelic's book, like there were some tensions in that relationship um by the end of their time together in Houston, but that was Alex, not Joey. So seems like Joey is a good coach, a Spanish speaker, which is always good to have um on staff now that Alfredo Lemezga is gone. There's kind of this point like he is from Puerto Rico, so he does have a relationship with Javi Baez. There's kind of this like, oh, could he be the new Javi Baez whisperer? I'm just going to go ahead and say I don't buy that because, like, we were told that about Gary Jones. Like, oh, did you get Gary Jones coaching with the Cubs, and they're close. And it's like, you don't really hear about that anymore. Like, you know, I'm sure there's some relationship here. I don't think he was hired just to be the uh, the magic bullet that fixes Javi Baez. I think he was hired because he's a pretty good coach. Um, he's going to coach third base. So we've now got an opening at third, uh, first base, uh, maybe another opening on the hitting staff if the Tigers decide to fill it. Sounds like Toledo manager Anthony Iapochi could be a candidate maybe for either of those positions. Um, I'm sure there's some more going on with the coaching staff. Um, in addition, that first base vacancy is not yet finalized. So uh, be interested to see what AJ Hinch has up his sleeve in terms of filling this out from here.
1: I'm not trying to get into a long discussion about this for a multitude of reasons, but that Astros scandal just will not die. You know, you got a cora coming into Detroit the the stuff with the University of Michigan, which what's the first thing you think of? You go back to like the most recent sign stealing scandal or whatever. Uh and then the Astros you know, they looked like they were primed to get another World Series, you know, you know, there for a second till mm-hmm. uh till Cree took over. But but yeah, so that, that that scandal just uh it will not die. So uh, I don't have a thought on that. It's just it just comes up a lot, uh, is, is all I'll say. And especially if you're on a softball team with one Astros fan and the rest are Rangers fans, uh, the group techs. The group techs are, uh, can can can, uh, can be pretty brutal. Um, all right. We talked about a lot of guys either on the roster, added to the roster, no longer on the roster. Opt outs. Let's talk about an opt in, Cody.
2: Nope, nope, nope. We're not going to do that because that is not the correct terminology. It's been really bothering me. You don't opt in. If you, if you ever had like a school form and it was like your pictures can be used in the yearbook or whatever, you you, you were supposed to like opt into that. So if you don't opt in, you just, you just don't do it. It's like opting into like health insurance. Like if you don't do it, you just, there's nothing. All right, Javi Baez was under contract, so if he does not exercise his opt-out, he just stays under his current contract. There's no opting in. So he did not exercise his opt-out is the terminology we should be using.
1: All right, there you go. So there, there's your uh, there's your vernacular lesson right there from, from Cody. Obviously, it all means the
2: same thing, so if you say opt-in, it's fine. <laughs> it's just been I'm a stickler for the details, no, all right?
1: That's, that's a shout-out to our old journalism professor, Ray Murray, who would be a stickler yes. for that. Oh,
2: oh, he would be taking points off if he said opt-in. One, one,
1: one thing that kills me is center around. How do you center <laughs> around something? You ever centered around anything?
2: Center around. This guy would like walk in a circle in front of the classroom. and would be like, sir, are you okay? What are you doing?
1: <laughs> Anywho, uh, Javi Baez takes no action, so therefore his contract has zero change, except that he no longer has the ability to opt-out Moving forward. So, Javi Baez remains, Was it, four years and... I wish I had the... 98, 98, 98 million, million, I believe. Four years, yeah. 98 million left on his deal. He is 31 years of age. Actually, he'll, ter- he'll turn 31 here in a couple weeks, December 1st. So, he will be in his age 31 season next year, 2024. You wrote about him this week. I know, like, the hobby thing is just... There's hard... A lot of his actions on the field, Cody, just, like, the Javi, the, you know, the magician and all that stuff, like, it's not rational. A lot of his actions are not rational, like, running back to home plate after you, like, have a swing. It's not rational. So, therefore, any discussion about Javi cannot be rational. The the ex-formally known as Twitter is full of non-rational thoughts on Javier Baez, and... Uh, some of his, like I said, his actions on the field are irrational as well. Uh, kind of cutting through all this stuff, I, I just kind of wanted to ask you something very simply. What's real? What is real with Hobby Bias? Because here's, here's what we're going to do. Here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to do for the next handful of years to read stories, and this is not a criticism of the writers at all. Not at all. But I don't want to read stories about... Some measure being taken either by the team
2: or by Javi. Oh, get ready. We got four (laughs) more years of these stories, baby. You
1: know, like the whole Javi's taking it more seriously is going to (laughs) be the new (laughs) Miggy's in the best shape of his life.
2: Absolutely. And
1: I don't – and I just can't. (laughs) I can't handle it. I cannot handle it. And there's – concessions that i think the fan base ought to make to javi about certain things that are kind of small in nature compared to production or lack thereof but i think they're still important everyday player uh will will like talk to the media nobody cares about that except for like me and people who work in the media but i value that uh he can face the music he when when needed uh so i guess i just ask what is real what is real with javi bias now cuz we have stats that say what is real about him but the other stuff and in, in the contract is real as well but the other stuff and the things that we can look forward to seeing next season what is real what is real and also how the team views him what is real
2: yeah uh, the the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior the best indicator of future performance is past performance so i think we have to keep that in mind in the Hobby bias discussion I don't think Javi Baez just doesn't care, all right? I don't think he shows up to the park and he's like, I'm cashing a big check today. I don't care if I go 0-4-4 and make two errors. Like, this guy cares. He has some pride on the line. It was really interesting talking to him at the end of the year. He was definitely the most frustrated that I have seen him. In turn, You know, he said it, He's like, I feel like I'm trying and just nothing is working. Which, again, how much do we believe that when you continue to chase and then you say, I'm still going to chase? Um uh, That's this is part of our problem. You know, there is a real like come to Jesus thing that has to happen if you want any improvement here. It's like, no, maybe you need to rethink your entire plate approach in addition to swing mechanics, get you in a better position to hit fastballs. Um, You can read the story it details, some things the Tigers are going to do. They do have a plan in place. They're going to send a hitting coach to go see him. He's even working with, uh, I believe, Richard Skank, who was a uh, Carrie Carpenter and Aaron Judge's hitting coach. That's like maybe going to happen. Um, I don't think we should buy into that. as like, oh my gosh, he's now going to be Aaron Judge. Um, it, I think the hope are, can you get some in- incremental improvements? Can you get Javi back to being a league average player? All right. He may never be the all-star again uh, that he was. It's hard to find examples of players who have had two just atrocious years in a, in in like a free agent contract and then rebounded to become all-star players. I looked, I I didn't have much success in like finding real good comps. There are guys like Pablo Sandoval, Jason Hayward, who had a couple really bad years and rebounded to league average performance. I think that's what the Tigers would like to hope for from Javi. Uh, So what's real? Like, I think he cares. I don't think Javi Bias has ever been the model of um, work ethic or like regimen and so it's probably a little bit naive to think that that's suddenly going to become different in, in his age 31 season
1: i'm glad you brought up the cares thing because uh i think that also kind of gets assumed because he's you know this you know his personality seems like oh you know you know whatever but no but but right but like people need and, to and at so least I, realize i will
2: that. always defend javi in that regard javi still gets a bad rap i think just because he the, the way he Looks the way he plays, the way he carries himself, like it's not always the full truth. But it's easy to go too far in the other direction and be like, "Oh, Javi really cares and he's really trying hard and blah." blah. Like, reality is he's one of the last guys in every day. Uh, the reality is he's never been known anywhere for being like the hardest working dude around. His off season regimen, I don't know what it's like, but you never hear anyone like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe Javi buys his off season regimen." This is the most important off-season of his career. It's a real chance to get serious, make some changes. We'll see how much of that he actually implements. Again, I don't think Javi is in Tampa or Puerto Rico just on the couch, you know, watching cartoons all day or whatever. I'm sure he's putting in some work. Is it the right work? Is it going to make a difference? That's that's the real question.
1: Well, the biggest thing, and we got to go back to last year when they, you know, the Tigers sent – was it a strength coach or a hitting coach or no, no, the hitting coaches sent him materials and like exercises and things to work on. I believe correct me if I'm wrong here over the course of the off season. And he said, in, or they or texts or whatever. Oh. And he ends like, did you respond?
2: Yeah. I don't know if it was materials or whatever, but we asked in spring training, like, Oh, have you like, you know, did the new hitting staff reach out to you? And he was like, yeah, they texted me And, so, and I was in just,
1: my mind. Did I you respond? text
2: back? Oh, yeah. He said, in my mind, I did. So, it was funny, haha, at the time. And looking back, that's a great example. What's real? That is what the Tigers are dealing with. And Javier is a player who will not respond to his new hitting coaches. Sometimes. And that
1: is real. Like that. Th- like that. That's got to stop. Honestly. Like the, and and yeah. and part of that is you don't want that kind of thing kind of infecting like other players or whatever. Uh, but I'll I'll, I'll say this for the millionth time. The problem that the Tigers have with Javi and the shortstop position at large is not that they signed him to this contract. They signed him to the league, uh, like the market price at the time. And if again, you look at the other shortstops in that class, there's all varying degrees of baggage uh, with those contracts. Some of you, would, yeah, would you rather have Carlos Correa? Sure. But were you looking at those physicals? A lot of people turn that down you know would you you know Lindor wasn't available Trevor Story can't throw a ball uh Seeger was never coming here Simeon uh like you probably weren't going to del out that contract for that team at the time at that with him at that age uh with with what your expectations were so like you kind of narrow it down and it's like well what what was the move then the reason the tigers are in this position is because they have not been able to develop a replacement level shortstop replacement level that's it they have not been able they've not been able to develop a replacement level shortstop and if they did moving forward that would be another test for javi where it's like can you go to second base or something like that you know i'm just thinking about a couple years down the line or if they had somebody in the ready right now you know what i mean like those conversations are on the board here through the duration of his contract
2: oh they're on the board if javi bias has a 60 WRC plus next year. It's like, dude, I don't know who would replace him at shortstop. And that conversation is on the board of like, you might become the highest paid utility player in the league. I don't think he's just going to get doled out at bats. If he's, if he's horrendous. Now the defense is still pretty good. We do have to keep that in mind. Tigers could do a lot worse than his glove. Um, So that's why I've said time to time. Like if you just ignore the paycheck, like maybe it's not as bad as it seems. Um, But obviously He's only getting older, and we got four more years of this.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I, I'm i a big fan of stand-up comedy, and I actually can't even remember who said this, but uh, there was this comedian, this years ago, he said, I have the key for all women out there that are still single and want to get married. Lower your expectations. <laughs> that definitely applies to Javi Baez in a way. Now, if you want to say, we shouldn't be here in this position, you know, but, all correct. However, we're here now. And if you want to have some sort of semblance of good feelings about who your shortstop is, you, you got to let go of the money and you got to lower your expectations a little bit. I mean, like, that that there, there's no other way. Otherwise, you might be asking for something that just is not on the board, really. So as I look at the situation, I still maintain that, there's if he can take coaching which i don't know how mo- how much more humble this has got to be the most humble he's ever been in his life honestly as a ball player if yeah he can take,
2: that is another thing though it's not like this is the first time anyone's ever tried to fix javi Baez or tried to help him. but they never had more evidence play-to-play. that
1: he needs to be be fixed so that's 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 that's, sure. that's the intriguing part is like how does he handle all that and you know if he's like I said, I'm not going to get gung-ho about splitting time in Tampa. And uh, like last year, it seemed like was the mental approach to, I don't want to say fixing, but tweaking uh, up a level hive with AJ going down to Puerto Rico and all that stuff. And I think we could probably say that their relationship is good because, you know, he did have that benching in Toronto that... Yeah, I
2: think I think you can sense some trust there
0: for sure. And that's
1: important, just in the overall arc. So you can say that the trip had merits that we saw last year physically. I think that's fair to say. Now it becomes the physical. Now, like, there needs to be somebody that can have an honest conversation about hobby and say, look, dude, I don't know if your barrel's that fast anymore. In fact, I know it's not because, whoosh, and you show them the spreadsheet. So how are we going to fix this? How are we going to adjust this way? I give him a little credit for saying you know the swing and miss is still going to be part of my games. I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna hit balls. Shooters shoot. shoot, You know, like uh, uh, you know, there there's there's some merit to that. Uh, The strikeout, the strikeouts are down. The strikeout rate was down as well. I would also ask people, did it make you feel that much better?
2: It's strange <laughs> to think the strikeout rate is down. It doesn't seem like it is, but it, it is. It's the lowest of his career. Yeah, and uh, But the power is gone. So that's that's the real thing. How do we get this guy back to hitting fastballs? How do we get some of that power back? All right, if you make Javi get 20, 25 bombs out of him, suddenly he's a lot closer to a league average hitter, um, even if everything else stays the same. I mean,
1: same. how do you get somebody to hit fastballs better? That's Okay, so actually, all this stuff we talked about is kind of bull. Because it really just comes down to, as you pointed out in your story, you can read it on The Athletic if you're a subscriber, is that if he just hits fastballs, this solves a lot of problems. A lot of problems. How many times over the past couple years, loyal listeners to Dan Dickerson on the radio say, you have to hit the fastball. You have to hit the fastball. If you can't hit the fastball, you might as well start out with an 0-1 count. Honestly. Like, if you can't hit the fastball, you're essentially down a strike. So how like how do we get javi to hit the fastball it's got to be like what the tigers uh you know performance science coaches all that stuff uh so yeah definitely get another hitting coach in there i'm not sure this is the year to uh, be down a hitting coach on your staff uh from last season i'm not sure i want to be a man down there uh but he, he's got to hit the fastball and you like i said you laid out some really good numbers there and the flails will be less still be there the flails will be less if you're able to connect on the fastball. And even some of his, I, I was just thinking back anecdotally, even some of his like, I don't want to say finer moments because they weren't like great, but how many like key hits and situations did he have that was like a flail over the first base?
2: Yeah, he had he a had few a, later in the second half of the season especially to started going the other way a little bit. Yeah. Which
1: I only mentioned that because, Let's not get in that situation to where that's sort of like where you're, you know, where I'm gonna remember your highlights from the season, and it's gonna <laughs> include those kind of things.
0: You, you know, know what right? I
1: mean? So, like I said, I I I want to see some some real with Hobby this year. That's really what I'm asking for. Well, what, what kind of how that translates into performance? I don't have an idea in my mind. Uh, let's see. Do we have a projection for 2024 yet for him? We do. Would you like to see what baseball reference projects uh, Javi Bias? I would. I would. 240 average. That's, that's that. in uh, 533 plate appearances. And 17 home runs. Those are just the highlights. You know, strikeout 137 times, which would be, as I scroll, which would be a... Slight uptick from last year and below the year before, so if he gets 17 home runs out of Hobby, he can hit 240. I don't know. I'm not looking at WAR or anything like that. That's a lot closer to average than than he had than he certainly was last year. Uh, and you know, obviously defense improves or whatever. I'd like to maybe see him. I'd like to maybe see him come in a little leaner into camp. I, I think yeah. that's. And that's not to say that he's out of shape or anything like that. But I feel like if you look at athletes who are able to either maintain or even kind of up their level a little bit once they reach 30, it usually involves like losing some weight because your body just can't handle the stress at that same weight uh, once you get older. So I think if he came in a little leaner, that would go a long way in my mind. It also would be a uh, some sort of physical show of your work ethic, you know, that, like that, th- those are kind of small things that might lead to bigger things. So the, the, those are just on the top of my head, some areas I'd like to see Javi, like now it would give me more confidence that he could be better. I don't know what better means, but better. Like if you come in looking leaner, not, not best shape of your life. I don't care about what shape you're in. You could be in great shape at 300 pounds, you know what I mean? But looking leaner and some actual indication that, like, you took on some coaching and had some hard reflections. Whether he would admit it or not, I don't know. He probably would, though, because usually when you guys talk to him, he gets to be pretty honest. Uh, pretty honest, yeah. So th- th- Another th- th- thing th-
2: he doesn't th- get enough credit for. Um, doing a fun exercise uh, on the athletic, uh, hopefully sometime in the next week. Not sure exactly when it will run yet, but the worst contracts in Major League Baseball. Whether it was market price at the time or not, Javi's one of them. Sure. But when I wrote this story last week on Javi, you know, I included in, in like, the teaser, you know, now the Tigers are looking at one of the best contracts in baseball. Is there any hope it gets better? And I got, like, I don't know how many comments being, like, one of? What do you mean one of? Here's the reality. Javi's not the worst contract in baseball. Right now, I, I might change the rankings. Right now, he's probably around five or six is where I got him. The worst is Steven Strasburg. <laughs> who's tried to retire, and the Nationals are like, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. He's supposed to get $35 million each of the next three seasons. I don't even know if he's going to play, if he's going to retire or what. At least Javi Baez can play. Anthony Rendon, oof, $38 million each of the next three years. He's played.
1: That's a guy that does not he's, take he, he, Yes, by the way.
2: No, he doesn't seem to like baseball and he has never played more than fifty-eight games in a season over four years with the Angels. Wander Franco's kind of in a class of its own. I don't I don't know if yeah, that'll be even... for itself. We're we're not gonna get into that, but the Rays might owe a lot of money there. John Carlos Stanton, thirty-two million, thirty-two million, twenty-nine million, twenty-five million. I don't know if he's gonna make it through that deal. Uh here's a fun one the cubs man remember the cubs of was 16 wasn't that a good fun young team supposed to be a dynasty javi Baez and chris bryant two just bad, bad deals i don't know which one's worse uh in my head i'm like oh maybe there's more hope chris bryant can still hit but chris know, bryant was actually he was negative 1.2 war in last colorado. year he in colorado and there is more money on his deal than there is javi Baez. he signed for a whole other year uh, really rough I, I can't decide which one is worse Um, so there it is Javi Baez you know probably around the fifth or sixth worst deal in baseball depending on how somebody's, you look at it somebody's got to write
1: a book maybe we can do it Cody you want to write a book together maybe someone, someone's got to sure. write a book about the the rise and fall of those Cubs teams man Because I I, I remember less than a year later, you and I were hanging out at our watering hole Murphy's and we were like, there's a lot on the tea leaves now that this is going to collapse. And then it's like Madden, Epstein, like all the players gone. I mean, it was it was wild uh, how how quickly that dissipated. But you got the World Series. It's all good. Everybody's uh, everybody's happy. Uh, in the end, there and now, David Ross not even with the team anymore. Obviously, the Craig Council thing that happened uh, last week, last week, two weeks ago. So yeah, just wild how uh, how that played out for the, for those cup teams and, and the players involved as well. <sighs> all right, uh, let's wrap up here, Cody. We got awards uh, for Major League Baseball, and they've all been announced. And you once again. I don't mean to diminish this by saying once again, but once again, you were a voter for Manager of the Year and Rookie of the Year. So no,
2: I'd I'd like to get bumped up to MVP I mean, and Cy I Young. Too. I don't I don't know what I have to do to achieve this status, but I'm, apparently I'm not there. Yeah, either. so
1: <laughs> you got to pay your dues with the with the old people and the young people awards, I guess. Uh, so <laughs> That's
2: what so it seems uh, like.
1: why don't you just take us through your uh, your ballot there, Cody, if you would.
2: <clears throat> um, yeah, we'll start with rookie of the year, I think. Um, so I voted Gunnar Henderson. Uh, he was the unanimous winner. I voted him one. Uh, Tanner B- Byvey from the Guardians, I voted him two, had a nice year. I was one of only two voters to put Eduardo Julian uh, from Minnesota as my third choice. So uh was a little bit of a different ballot. I thought it was tough because I thought Tristan Casas, Josh Young, Uh, Yanir Diaz and Eduardo Julian all had very good cases but at the end of the day uh, I felt Julian was a little bit of an overshadowed rookie performer this guy really raked at the plate and the majority of the uh, kind of the hard cold numbers uh, said to me he should have been the third choice so um, I'm not going to list off a bunch of stats about a player that Tigers fans probably don't care about that much but Uh, A little bit of an outside-the-box choice, but I I still feel confident and justified um, in selecting him. Manager of the Year, uh, Brandon Hyde won it. Not quite unanimously, almost. I voted for Brandon Hyde. Uh, Bruce Bochy, number two. Kevin Cash, number three, was my ballot. Um, Interesting. So you submit the votes before the end of the regular season. Interesting question. Would I change it after the Rangers won the World Series? After spending some time around Bruce Bochy, eh, interesting, but I think like considering the body of work, like Brandon Hyde had a tougher job. Bruce Bochy's job was not easy, considering the Rangers did face a lot of injuries and, and adversities. Uh, but Brandon Hyde had a very young team that was not projected to win a lot of games, and they uh, they ended up leading the American League in wins. Um, Bruce Bochy very deserving at at second and he gets the World Series title but I I think Hyde was a deserving winner this year and watching Brandon Hyde manage too in both the postseason and regular season uh, one of the better in-game managers I feel like really leverages his team into some good matchups I thought had the edge on AJ Hinch a couple times when they met in the regular season so um, very comfortable in my vote for Brandon Hyde there
1: All right, and as we wrap up here how confident are you in uh, <laughs> in the Tigers not bringing in uh, someone from Japan to uh, to round out their pitching staff? Uh, we have, uh, I'm sorry if I'm gonna mispronounce this. Uh, Yamamoto is that how you say it? Uh, Jap- the latest Japanese pitching sensation. Sorry if I mispronounced that. And
2: uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Yamamoto is how I would say yeah. it. Yeah, Yamamoto. But
1: there's, he's gonna be. Um, here, when this was podcast, I think it's going to be posted uh, the day that we, we publish this. And uh, and there are going to be some suitors, obviously. And the Tigers kind of keep coming up as kind of like a throw-in suitor. Uh,
2: <laughs> well, John Heyman reported the Tigers are interested in Yamamoto. Um I am interested in Taylor Swift, but you know she's dating like a six foot eight NFL future Hall of Fame millionaire tight end. Like they're probably better suitors for her, if we're being honest. That's how I look at Yamamoto in the well.
1: Tigers. You know, if you paid a little bit, maybe you could get Taylor off uh, off the Chiefs train. But you know, who knows? Uh, money talks, <laughs> as they say. Uh,
2: there is there are some other international international pitchers on the market. Um, Shota Imanaga. I think maybe could be a little more in the mix for the Tigers. There are a couple other There's guys one too. One outfielder that um, you know, might be interesting. Yeah, so the Tigers are making some concerted efforts to get more active in the um, you know Asian market, the Japanese market. I don't think I think there'll be too much competition for Yamamoto. Imanaga could be interesting. Strikes out a lot of guys. Kind of fits the profile. There are going to be uh, a lot of teams in on him too, though. Another question is, like, how often are some do some of these players end up being worth it? Um, they can sign for some pretty big money. Uh, you know, some of these Records guys end up being as great as
1: you think it is.
2: quality players. And then it's kind of not as they,
1: – there have
2: been some busts as well. so um, And it's tough. Like, with – I've only seen Imanaga pitch in, like, the World Baseball Classic once. Like, I didn't, can't pretend to know that much about his game. How much do numbers translate? Uh, it's. I feel like it's always really tough to know. I think you'd really, really have to trust your scouts. I think it's a difficult exercise. Obviously, these guys are talented players if they're getting posted, but would, will they be worth the money? Always a tough question.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Cody, anything else we want to get into before we jet out of here?
2: No, I think we're good.
1: All right, fun podcast, a lot of talk, uh, roster talk, a lot of uh, please-get-better talk uh, at the end there. I uh, want to thank everybody for subscribing, Apple, Spotify. want to thank everybody for five-star reviews. If you feel so inclined, follow us on YouTube, Turn The Corner Podcast, on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Cody Stabenhagen, at Kieran underscore Stackley, and at Turn Corner Pod. We want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving happy and safe travel if that's what you're doing and everybody have an amazing